With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Death Discussion for April 18th, year 2016. Today is tax day, everybody. For those people that do taxes... The day you got to have your postmark either on your return or your extension, request for extension, which is automatic. Oh, you federal slaves. Yeah, 4868 is the form number for doing the extensions. But uh, anyway, I'd like to welcome everybody. Uh, we are here once again. I believe tonight is episode number... 364 of Dallas Death Discussion. That's a lot of yakking, Dave. Boy, I tell you what, I never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that we'd be doing this for this long. Oh, no way. Well, you know, when I started my calls, I, I had no kind of intention that it would become what it became. Just one of those things that happens. So I was anyway. doing it as a favor, as a matter of fact, in the beginning. <laughs> well, that's what my whole thing was. I had uh, learned a few things about how to deal with, uh, you know, people, uh, the debt collectors and stuff. And I thought, well, you know, if I can share some of this information and help some people around Dallas, Fort Worth, and uh, you know, let them know what I've learned, well, you know, maybe I can, we can get six or eight other people that can learn what I've learned. That that literally was my thought process in the beginning. I had no idea that this would turn into what it has turned into. But uh, it, needless to say, went a little farther than that. But uh, anyway. Everything as, happens for a reason. Yeah. As I've said many times before, what you hear on this call is Dallas debt discussion, the key word there being discussion. That's what we do. We discuss debt issues and the debt collection industry and uh, things that they do. And uh, uh, the bottom line is we don't give legal advice. We uh, do the uh, uh, discussion of issues. We make suggestions uh, to people that present scenarios, situations they have. We make suggestions, and when I say we, that includes the moderators, myself, Terry, John, Jeff, and uh, you know, possibly other members, uh, other people that are on the call that may have some experience because we sure don't have a corner on the market on knowledge or experience. None of us are experts. None of us claim to be experts. We do uh, have experience and, and uh, as far as moderators go we do have experience litigating in federal court some of us more than others but the bottom line is we make suggestions on what we might do if we are in a circumstance similar to the one that somebody uh, finds themselves in we never give advice we never give 
legal advice because, first of all, we don't know what it is. Second of all, the only place you can get that is a bar licensed attorney. So please keep in mind that everything you hear is for educational purposes, and it is based on our knowledge, either firsthand or studied knowledge, because we do read a lot of stuff, we do study a lot of things, but uh, those of us that litigate end up having practical experience in doing a lot of things. That doesn't mean that we have practical experience in every single situation, scenario, and little detail that uh, may come up that you may have a question about. If we can't answer your question, if we don't know, We'll tell you we don't know, and or we may say something like, well, I think this is the way it is, but I'm not sure, but you want to check such and such and so and so. We'll try and point you in a direction. This isn't about egos. There's no egos here. This is all about helping people get good information that they can actually utilize in dealing with violations of their rights and helping people identify when those uh, violations of their rights regarding the consumer protection statutes occur. Nothing more. It's all about helping each other. We don't get paid for this. It's all free. So the only thing we ask of you, the listeners, the people that participate and get information, is two things. One is to let other people know that we're even here so that if people do need some help with some things, that there is, they know that there's a place that they can go and ask some questions and get some competent answers instead of, you know, nonsense, BS, patriot crap that is spewed in so many places, unfortunately. Uh, but the, the other thing is uh, that we ask you to pay it forward when you learn about things pay it forward, help other people when you have the opportunity to do so. <clears throat> That's all we ask in return for the time and effort that we expend in, in trying to help you. So with that said, uh, as we always do every week, we start with good news. If anybody has any, we want to hear about the good things that are happening with people because there's plenty of the nonsensical bad stuff out there that uh, if you hang around the mainstream media or uh, even any number of other places you can hear about some of the crap that's going on. So if anybody has any good news, all you have to do is speak up. You don't have to hit star eight and raise your hand, which is the way we do that on TalkShoe. So if somebody's got any kind of good news for us, let's hear it. And I kind of had a feeling we, we were not going to have anybody pop up right away. That doesn't mean we don't have any... That means that uh, there's less people on the call early tonight. It's that time of the year. It's springtime. A lot of people doing a lot of things. There's a lot of people out doing stuff in their yards and everything. This is a cyclical thing. We deal with it every year, so it's it's not a surprise. We're here anyway so that those people that do have questions and need some help with things can uh, get the information, hopefully get the information they need, or at least we can point them in a direction where they can find good information. But uh, the only uh, uh, thing that I have, it's not really good news, it's just uh, interesting. There was a, 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 an attorney that uh, made a boo-boo regarding the uh, MDL in, uh, in the uh, settlement out in the uh, case in uh, California with Midland, they uh, filed a uh, objection, a notice to appear with the court, 
And in other words, somebody is objecting to the settlement. What took them so long? Well, uh, who knows? You know, they they have to do it by a certain date, and some people are are a little on the slow side. But what's interesting about this is uh, this is a notice of document discrepancy, which is a notice you get from the court if you screwed up. I've gotten these because uh, I sent something to the court and I didn't put some information on it, so I've gotten one of these as well. But uh, here's oh, the... Oh, but uh, it goes on everybody's docket, right? Well, it goes in the, in the docket and, and everybody gets a copy, but it, yeah. But uh, here's the uh, situation. The, uh, the document that they attempted to file is an objection and notice to appear for uh, a certain individual, Stephen F. Uh, health end. Uh, and pursuant to the court's order of December 9th, 2015, document number, and you guys, when you look at document docket numbers, you know, you, you, you're starting to get a pretty lengthy docket when you get over 100 entries in there. Well, this is docket number 291. <laughs> and this order by the court is document 321. Oh, Lord. Uh, it requests to be excluded from the class, i.e. opt-out, and written objections to the terms of the settlement or notices of intention to appear at the final approval hearing in order to make objections should be directed to the claims administrator. So in other words, instead of sending it to the claims administrator, they tried to file it with the court. So oh, and they, a lawyer should have known that. Well, this is true. That's a case of somebody that doesn't read. The document is not to be filed, but instead rejected, and it is ordered by that the clerk serve a copy of this order on all parties. So um, that's the latest little tidbit I got from the uh, Southern District of California. Just a, uh, a case of a, a lawyer with his head up his posterior end. It's, a, it's, amazing, it's amazing to me that no class members uh, or even the original named plaintiffs didn't object to that settlement agreement. Oh, there could be all sorts of objections, but they they, they would have been sent oh, to the claims administrator. Oh, but we don't know, right, because yeah, it yeah. doesn't get filed on the docket. Okay. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's objections. I'm absolutely sure there's objections. But, you know, I I don't have any say-so on that. I've opted out, so I'm, I'm not part of that, and uh, we'll just see what happens with the... Uh, uh, benchmark trials and how they put that stuff together. Somehow I just get the distinct feeling that I'm not going to be chosen to <laughs> participate in one of the benchmark trials. <laughs> I'm not laying money on that one. Well, Midland would not want that to happen. Um, no. And uh, even if they try to make it happen, I'm going to block it and, because I have Supreme Court case law that says... All my cases have to come back to the Texas court for adjudication. They can only okay. go to the MDL for discovery. So uh, there's Supreme Court, very good Supreme Court case law on that. So I'm not concerned. Yeah, the MDL does not have uh, discretionary power over the Supreme Court. They do over the federal um, yeah. district courts, but not the Supreme Court. Right. Yep. All right. Well, again, I'm going to ask if anybody has any good news. Okay, no good news. Well, 
then we're going to go to what we usually do, which is question and answer. If anybody has any questions for us tonight about the situation that they've got, uh, all you have to do is hit star 8 on the keypad in your phone, and that will put you in the queue, and it will uh, enable me to identify you, and hopefully we can answer your question for you. And our first one for tonight is popped up from Southern California. Hi, yes. Um, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. So I just have a question or just some questions. I'm in a bit of a pickle and just want you guys' advice. Um, my mom listens to your call faithfully all the time. She's been a, um, a listener for years now. Um, okay. My question is, is I have some credit card debt that I am just trying to figure out the best way to go about this situation. Um, I am what you call FINRA licensed. I have a, I hold a Series 663 in life insurance license um, through my job. And recently I've been put on disability due, uh, due to some complications with my health and a pregnancy that I'm having. I'm at the point with, because of my job and the pain and everything else, I'm at the point where I can no longer afford to make my credit card payments. Um, I've been trying to keep up with the minimum payments as much as I can. I have wiped out my 401k trying to just get through this pregnancy. And at this point, I want to know just basically um, what are the steps if my credit cards go into default or uh, basically what happens and if there's any way to maybe avoid some, I guess, lengthier ramifications as far as like judgments and things like that because of the um, licenses that I hold, the 663 and life insurance license, they look at that as part of like your background and I could lose my licenses um, if I have any like judgments or bankruptcies or anything like that. Right. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. And that puts you in kind of a precarious situation uh, mm -hmm. with that because that obviously could affect your, your livelihood. Yes. All right. Um how how many cards do you have that you have to deal with that you feel you're going to end up having to default on? Uh, it's going to be roughly probably about 10 credit cards. Ooh, about 10. Okay, so you get a bunch. Yeah. Do you have pretty substantial balances? Yeah, they're pretty substantial on each of the cards. Okay. Some of them, uh, uh, three or four of them higher on the higher end of, of about five to 7000 but in the other ones somewhere around like the $1,000 mark. Okay, so the the bigger percentage of them are down around uh, the $1,000, $1,200 area, something like that? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. Those wouldn't, I don't think, would be as much of a problem with uh, lawsuits uh, for the simple reason that there's not enough money involved. Now, that doesn't mean Unless that... they got sold, and that yeah. wouldn't happen for a while down the road. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's part of the, the scenario for you to understand how things work with this. Yeah, definitely. Right, okay. Um, the way things work with credit cards, when you default, they, of course, will start calling you and and bug you no end uh, for payment on the accounts. I mean, that's just going to happen. That's their business. Uh, they want their money. And uh, you've heard the term charge-off, I'm sure. Yes. <clears throat> charge-off on credit cards occurs 180 days after default. 
and that is okay. that is done by law. That does not mean that the debt disappears. All it is is a change in status for accounting purposes and how they uh, hold the the alleged debt on their books. So it mm-hmm. doesn't mean, you know, some people are under the mistaken impression, well, you know, six months they charge it off and then it's it's gone, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Oh, yes. Oh, well, no, I work for the bank, so I'm familiar with charge-off accounts. It basically <clears throat> means that it's not actively in their system as far as uh, like a payment or paid-to account. They charge it off and it's still on the books and they right. still want okay. to pay on All it. Right. So you're, you're understanding that part. Now, mm-hmm. um, the, the thing about it is you go into default, and they're going to have their in-house <clears throat> people calling you. Mm-hmm. And they're going to bug you for money. All right. Then the next step is going to be to send it to what's known as a contingency collector. That's somebody, that, an outside collection agency, let, let's say for argument's sake, ABC Collections. They don't, they're not buying the debt or anything. It's just that there is a contract between ABC Collections and your bank, USA, uh, to collect the debt. And their contract says that uh, they get a certain percentage of anything that they are able to collect from you. Okay, that's the first step. That can end up going to several different collectors. Uh, That doesn't mean it will, but it can. And that happens over that period of time, over that period of six months. You know, maybe they assign it to uh, collector one, and they can't get any money. So then they send it to collector two. They can't. They aren't able to get any money. Collector three. By that time, they're they're looking at probably uh, just looking at it going out to the charge off date, and then they're going to do one of two things nothing or sell it because generally not uh, this isn't cut in stone but generally after charge off you're not going to find them having collectors uh, chasing you they're they either are going to just basically leave it alone or they're going to sell it okay now with a contingency collector you can deal with them differently than you can with a debt buyer, such as Midland or Portfolio Recovery or Cash, uh, C-A-C-H, that's when I say Cash, LLC. Those are debt buyers. So what you need to do is get yourself boned up education-wise on how to deal with these various scenarios when they come to you what is the proper procedure for you to follow because you have to anticipate they're they're going to come after you now um do you feel you're in a situation where you're going to have to default on every one of them or can you pick and choose some and say well i can pay these um that's what I was asking my mom about. Um, I listened to one of your calls earlier today. I, I was listening to some older calls and uh, heard someone ask that same question as far as is it better to default on all of my cards or just some of them. Um, in this case, I would probably go ahead and just pick and choose some, maybe get rid of some of the uh, the newer debt or the more expensive debt as opposed to some of the older credit lines because I'm not looking to never have to use my credit again and um, so on and so forth. 
So with that being said, I would probably want to pick and choose which ones, you know, obviously are more advantageous to get rid of or to go ahead and still pay if I could go ahead and still pay them. Right. Okay. So you you can be somewhat selective. Your the your credit rating is not going to be as much of a concern to you going forward. Is that what I heard you say? Yes. Not not as of right now. Like I said, I I still want to use the credit system somewhat in the future. But you know the rating is you know it, I, I know that it'll be effective effective exactly. just by right. defaulting on one credit card. So right. Yeah. One you default on one, and everybody else is going to want to jump on the bandwagon and, uh, you know, raise your interest rates, you know, the, the default interest rates, oh, well, you know, you default that one over there, so we're going to charge you a bunch more money here and, and make it more difficult for you to pay us, and uh, maybe you'll default on this one too, but we're going to make you pay through the nose. I mean, that's just the rotten way they operate. Okay. You know, you, you can approach this from different ways. You've got 10 cards, Okay, let's let's just use the number ten, <clears throat> and you're saying that what maybe seven out of ten are small balance or six out of ten. Yeah, what let's just say six out of ten. Okay, yeah. six out of ten are small balance. Those are minimal payments, right? Mhm. Okay. Well, the, on all of them, I'm making just minimal payments. Yeah, I'm not but well, but I'm 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 speaking in a comparable oh, in, basis. In, in dollar amount. Yeah. 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 They're, if they're you've got a yeah, if you've got a thousand dollar balance compared to a seven thousand dollar balance, obviously the amount you got to pay every month on that is exactly. a fraction. Exactly. Okay. But collectively, and a larger number of them, they add up to more. Yeah. <clears throat> now the thing the thing to keep in mind is. If you default on larger amounts, they feel they've got more at stake, and I think uh, more than likely you can expect them to be more aggressive uh, as far as potential litigation down the line if you default on them. Okay. Okay, but the other thing is if you have got those larger balance cards and – you go into default interest rates, then of course that's going to kick your payments up because they're going to run your interest rates up. I don't know where are your interest rates on those now are are they up some or are they pretty competitive? They're fairly low. They're pretty competitive. I've never uh, I've never had any late payments or not pay, uh, missed a payment on any of these cards, so they're all in great great standing. Okay. Um, there's there's different ways to approach this. On your ones, the the ones where you have the larger balances, are those newer credit lines or are they old? Those are those are those are newer credit lines. They are newer ones. So the the yeah, when I say newer, I say within the last like three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then some of the ones that you've got the small balances on are ones you may have had like for four or five, six, seven, eight years, something like that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, you know it. You kind of got to think in terms of, like you say, your future. Um, With the newer balances that you've got uh, and the the larger balances, you could consider talking to them and, and explaining, you know, contact them and say, I have a situation here, a potential situation I'm dealing with. You know, and I have. I, I've contacted the top three 
um, my Discover card, they put me on a um, basically I was in an introductory period on the card. They put yeah. me on a basically like a deferment. They said, hey, we're not going to raise your interest rate. We're just going to uh, basically stop allowing you to spend on the card and put you on an automatic payment plan for 12 months to try to help you pay down the balances. Um, my Citibank card, they basically said, there's nothing we can do to help you. And same thing with my Freedom card. Okay. Well, Freedom is Chase, and they're a bunch yeah, of thieves. <laughs> they're just out-and-out out thieves. I won't Chase tell you who I work for then. <laughs> <laughs> they're thieves. I don't care who works for them or anything else. Yeah, Jamie, no. Jamie Diamond is a crook. Diamond is a, a crook from day one. He was a yeah. he was a crook and a cutthroat when he was at uh, Bank One before it was uh, acquired by Chase. I I know a lot about the history of Jamie Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. No. No worries. I um, I'm looking to uh, <laughs> to exit the company, but even still, my licenses are what I'm concerned about Ab- moving forward Ab- to the absolutely. next company. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you have a card with that company as cutthroat as they are i would think that they may try and hold that over your head mm-hmm. uh you know pay us or or you know we're we're going to cost you your licensing will you know will create problems i wouldn't put it past them very honestly yeah yeah, I don't know what they do as far as the employment thing. I mean, just because, you know, it is two very separate entities, although me working for the company is obviously a responsibility to, you know, be on top of my credit and things like that. Sure. I don't know sure. how much they would want to – I don't know how much they would want to, you know, legally intertwine the two because I don't know, you know, how far they'd want to step into that, you know, as far as somebody's employment and kind of their yeah. livelihood well, as what, opposed yeah. to just credit what? card debt. Right. Well, what, the reason I'm pointing it out is I know how rotten they are, and I yeah, wouldn't yeah, put them. But I, know, I like, wouldn't put them working past for them, doing working for, like that. Well, no, I'm just saying, but, but but working for them, they won't even because the credit card side and the banking side is so different. They won't even cross those two over just because the, the there's a very fine line there that they really kind of don't want to cross. So even when customers default on their credit card and have thousands of dollars in the bank with us, they won't even cross the line so much as to even try to collect on the credit card through the personal banking account just because, like I said, the the line is very fine. I know that just from working there, so I don't really know. You know, I mean, I'll keep it in mind definitely. Yeah, but, well, that's you know, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I know of people that have uh, worked at, at banks and they uh, – now, you're stri- are you speaking strictly from the employment situation? Or no, just, no, I'm speaking just from, from as, a, as a customer situation. I have customers who have uh, who've had, you know, significant balances in their banking account, checking, business, whatever it right, is. Right. But when I look into their profile, I see that they have previous charge-off credit cards and stuff from like 2006 and things like that, or even recently that they don't even, they haven't collected on, and they still have an outstanding balance, even though they have a good banking relationship with them. They don't have, and but, but the credit relationship is shot. But they still won't go as far as to reach over to the other side to collect for the that, for the credit that, card. Okay, it's very interesting you say that because I know of multiple people that they have done exactly that. Really, and I think oh, it yes, happens ma'am. with the personal, with the bank accounts. I've seen it done with the bank accounts. Well, they'll go into one account or even different profiles of people's accounts to collect on banking accounts, but I've never seen it with the credit cards. I've been with them about six years, so yeah. That's uh, it. I, I, I know multiple people 
who have had okay. exactly that occur to them. Now, you know, your observations, uh, obviously I'm not questioning yeah, them. Yeah, it's very different. No, 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 it's very um, different. That, but I keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I know that that has happened. Uh, they'll, they'll reach across because J.P. Morgan is only interested in one thing, money. Collecting their money. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. And it doesn't matter who gets in the way, they'll run over you. But, um, but anyway, um, you've already talked to the company, so that's you know where you stand with them uh, mm-hmm. on those things. Uh, your your small balances. Uh, if you were to drop your small balances, can you pay your big balances? In other words, if if you quit paying on the six small ones, could you would you be okay paying the other four? Mm. Or is that not even a viable situation? It's not. It, it, in all actuality, because of the length, I mean, from what I'm looking at it, I'm thinking about the length of the credit card history and everything else and how I would want to maintain it and also the number of accounts, I would be more subject to just go ahead and trying to pay the smaller balances on the one, two, three. I mean, I calculated about six or seven small, and really it's like three larger ones. Um to go ahead and, like I said, and just let let the larger ones go in the default as opposed to the other ones. But, again, if it makes more sense, like you said, as far as litigation-wise, then, yeah, I, I would drop, you know, well, I would stop paying some of the smaller ones. Well, you, you have to stop and think. Um, and, I mean, there's no way to know. It, it's just uh, you you have to think in terms of if, if you owed $7,000 to somebody mm-hmm. and you quit paying them, and mm-hmm. you had somebody else that you owed a thousand dollars to, and you quit paying them. Which one do you think, from a logic standpoint, would yeah, be would more, be more prone to, you. to uh, <laughs> engage in litigation to get yeah. their money? Obviously, the one that you owe a substantially larger amount of money to—they've got more at stake, so to speak. Uh, exactly. And and that's something you got to look at. Um, okay. You know, if and I didn't you, think about it that way. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you really need to because that's that's mm-hmm. a reality. Uh, yeah. I've uh, personally, I dumped ten credit cards. I didn't have any choice. I was put in that position through a, a divorce and then getting screwed by Countrywide. And mm-hmm. uh, every everything of mine went at the same time simply because. I had no more money to pay. We were supposed to be paid yeah. a lot of money, and we never got paid. A group of us got screwed out of one hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. So yeah, that's the call I was listening to earlier when you were yeah, talking okay. to a lady about that. Okay. Right. So, anyway, um, what happened on mine was uh, I I got sued on two out of those ten accounts. I okay. I never got served on those lawsuits. And I ended up suing the lawyer that uh, tried to come after me for him that filed those lawsuits. I got judgments against him. He paid me, and then he dropped the lawsuits. That was the end result of that. Well, um, that was just a long process, or I well, that was several years after I defaulted, and it was after long 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 after they were charged off and the one uh the one was uh about seven thousand 
and the other one I think was, uh, from what I remember, was uh, somewhere around either four or five thousand. But okay. I had I had more substantial amounts on on my cards because uh, you know, it averaged about uh, five thousand. But because uh, I had ten cards and it was a little over fifty thousand in total. But the the yeah. whole thing is you never know who's gonna do what when you get into that yeah. situation. It's just from a logic standpoint, you got to understand that if there's a larger amount of money at stake, there's a better chance that they might do something. Now Chase. Probably, uh, given the problems that they had with their stuff, they may not engage in litigation, especially with you being a uh, uh, an employee. You know, it'll leave mm-hmm. a black mark on your credit. But as far as getting a, a judgment or something like that, that uh, may not be the case. Um, Discover has shown a willingness to work with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Discover uh, will sue. And, uh, oh, in fact, that's right. That the, the other one of mine, I was thinking it was Citibank, but it was Discover that uh, somebody mm-hmm. actually, they filed the suit. And, of course, that went away. But uh, Discover will sue. And uh, the other one that you have was who again? Citibank. Citibank. Uh, Citibank is a toss-up. It really is a toss-up. Citibank will probably sell it off, and then you'd be dealing with a debt buyer. They have a a history of doing that, and it depends on where you're located and what attorneys they have, whether they uh, have more of a tendency to to sue uh, or whether they just try and drag out collections. There's no real way to know, but you just have to stop and think from a logic standpoint that larger balances are going to have an increased uh, possibility of litigation, which could lead to judgment. Now, of course, if you get into litigation, that's where we come in, is learning how to deal with it. Okay. You know, if, if you're not prepared to deal with it, it can be devastating. If you're prepared to deal with it and learn how to deal with those types of lawsuits, you can have a much different outcome. Because any time a a debt collector comes after you and sues you, I don't care whether it's a debt buyer or or, uh, anybody else, there's going to be violations of the FDCPA. There's no question. Okay. So, um, really, uh, you're you're kind of in a, a rather unique situation. You, if you want to save some, then what you've got to do is kind of figure out what you feel is going to work out best for you, keeping in mind what I've I've been talking about with the potential litigation. Is something going to happen real fast? No. You're not going to get sued in 60 days. That's okay. just not going to happen. Okay. You're, as far as any lawsuits go, I would... I would have to say that more than likely you're at least, if there was a lawsuit over anything, you're probably at least two years away from even the beginning of that. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, you know, I don't know how that enters into your thoughts and plans, but my biggest suggestion is knowing that you have this potential situation uh, coming in the future, to some degree anyway, 
is mm -hmm. you need to start diligently studying how to deal with this situation. First of all, when you default, you know, like I say, the original creditor is going to start calling you. They're going to bug you. You need to know how you can tell them to stop calling you. You need to learn about the TCPA, whether you gave consent, uh, your cell phone number. But for instance, on these accounts, did, did you give any of them your cell phone number as a contact number? Yeah, they're all under my cell phone number. I don't have a landline. You don't have a landline. Okay. What you'd want to do then would be to give, serve them, you know, notice that you're revoking your consent to call your phone, your phone number one two three four five six seven. Because okay. if if you do that, and they turn it over to a debt collector, a creditor can can call. Uh, and they can be a pain, but they're eventually going to turn it over to a debt collector. And if you have revoked your consent and they call you, that not only can uh, create a problem for them, but it can put a lot of money in your pocket. Do you, okay. do you, know, do you know about the TCPA? Yes, my mom has, uh, has given me some, uh, some information on it in the past. So, do you? Um, do you understand how much money is in potential money is involved there? Um, I've heard of people winning, uh, getting upwards of thousands of dollars for just people calling, and basically they didn't have the lawful right to be calling and things like that. She's told me about. Okay. Well, let me be a little more specific. Okay. I've collected the better part of two hundred thousand dollars in the last wow. five years on TCPA. Wow. Okay. I know other people that have collected that kind of money. It's $500 for, they, they get a free call now. They get a free call, <laughs> okay? One free call, according to the uh, FCC declaratory ruling from last July. But if they call after that, it's $500. And if they keep calling, it's potentially $1,500 per call as knowing and willful violations of the TCPA. But you have to know what the law says and what you need to do to set yourself up for that. If okay. you revoke, you can revoke your consent in any uh, reasonable way at any time. Now, okay. you're going to want to do it in writing. But gotcha. without a doubt, they're still going to violate when they turn it over because these idiots get a hold of phone numbers and then they get stupid. So well, not the crazy thing is that you have people who just aren't knowledgeable when they call on the list anyways. Well, well, it's knowledgeable. or You can say they're not knowledgeable, but the biggest thing is they're just stupid. Yeah. They, <laughs> they'll violate the law just to get money. I mean, that, that's just the way they operate. The, the law, what's that? I don't have to comply with the law. Yeah, you owe, you owe money. I want the money. But my point about this is when you consider your financial situation, you put somebody in a bind by being able to go after them for violations of the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act or the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, or possibly, if they put junk in your credit report, go after them under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Mm -hmm. When you've got half a dozen cards where the balances are about, you know, give or take $1,000, an FDCPA violation is $1,000. 
Yeah. A couple phone calls on TCPA is $1,000. FCRA, Fair Credit Reporting Act, is $1,000. How quickly do you have a lever against those people where you can actually stop them in their tracks and maybe even have them paying you far more than you owe them? Yeah. See? But... This, you're not going to accomplish that unless you educate yourself. Knowing a little bit yeah. about it is not going to be sufficient. So uh, there's alternatives for you that I think can be very beneficial to you. We've, we've got people out here that wish they had more opportunities to have people violate. I mean, Amen. Yeah, Terry's one of them. I... <laughs> the only way I've got anything is uh, if somebody calls my cell phone or something. And uh, I still have calls from three years ago to uh, litigate on. I, I went through a period of time where I just had this horrific rash of calls. But um, mm-hmm. there, there's ways to, to deal with that. But the, my whole point here is you can take internal liability into potential cash flow. If you're yeah, where could I get information on the TCPA? That's in Jesse's website. But that's uh, what you, I was calling for too. Jesse's website. You, I meant, you mentioned something about Jesse's website earlier, and I went on to the "What Lies in Your Debt" thing, but I, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a last name. I didn't have anything to follow up on. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's the website. You can get there through KnockoutCollectors.net, but you get oh, to that wait website. A minute, Dave. If if her mom's a member, maybe her mom would. Split the membership with her. I was going to say, yeah. Is well, your, mo- is your mother wasn't a member? Familiar when she found, no, she wasn't familiar when I gave her the name Jesse. She said she she would need more information. So yeah. I would have to. I would be starting something new. Yeah. Okay. Well, just <clears throat> you can get to his website by going to knockoutcollectors.net. Knockoutcollectors. Yeah. T o r s dot net. That'll take you to his site. You sign up. It's a dollar for the first week. Okay. And then after that, it's $49 a month for as long as you want to be a member to to study. There's, you know, you're not locking in for six months or a year at a time or anything like that. <clears throat> and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee on it. Now, you're not going to learn everything that you need to learn in 60 days, obviously. But the point is, you're not locked into something. You're not committing to something major. If circumstances change for whatever reason, you can't, you're not, unable to pay for it, then uh, Okay. You can split memberships, and that's what Terry brought up. There's two IP addresses allowed for each membership. Uh-huh. Okay, so, I mean, you know, if your mom wanted access, uh, you guys work out something between you. I mean, that's up to you guys. Well, but, uh, we we have strangers that, uh, that do that. If you need a partner, you can send me an email. I don't have anyone right now, but that – that happens like every week. Somebody sends me an email and says, I need to split my membership. And I can hook you up with somebody who's looking for a partner if your mom doesn't okay. want to split with you. Okay. What's your email address? It's queensongbird at gmail.com. Songbird. Yeah. This That's week, so far, I don't have somebody waiting in the wings, but... You know, that happens just about every week. I'm always putting people together. Yeah. But okay. it, what happens there is you can get it down when two people split it. You're literally down to twenty four fifty a month. It's super inexpensive, but that gets you access to the information. 
all the information about the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Everything is in there. It's all organized. There's webinars. There's a, a forum where you can post questions. There's five and a half years of posted questions and answers you can study in, in there. There's, there's more information than you can even imagine. You have to see it to believe it. Okay. And there's nothing else and like it on the website. I have two more questions. Um, sure. Do you guys have any information regarding timeshares? One of my biggest debts that I'm paying on is a timeshare that I purchased last year, obviously, when I was working and making more money. Um, I feel like I was already shammed just buying it because what obviously was presented to me was something completely different than what um, than what I purchased, and I do have a balance on that. Um, do you know any anyone or anything as far as getting out of a timeshare outside of trying to sell it? Because what I've been told from other people is because there's a mortgage on it, um, pretty much most of these larger companies won't buy it, and basically because it's not one of the well-known or bigger timeshares that it's basically just going to be really hard to get out of and a headache. And just wanted to know if you guys had any input have, on have that. Have you gone back to the timeshare itself to see if they can sell it? I have. They said they they, they don't do a buyback. I've called several times about that. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know. John, uh, I see you're with us. Do you have any ideas on that? John's in the real estate business in Florida. And, uh, Can you pose the question again? Uh, she's got a timeshare that she bought. She said it's one of her biggest debts she's got to deal with. She's uh, got a troublesome pregnancy and, you know, tough financial situation. She's wondering if there's any ideas that we've got on how she might be able to liquidate her timeshare. There are companies that will basically just take it off your hands. Um, I don't remember the name of them offhand, but you know, anytime you go to try to sell them, it's nearly impossible. But there are companies that basically will take them off your hands and then resell them. And you want to make uh -huh. sure that they take title to it completely and you don't owe any more fees or anything like that. You just want to get it completely yeah. over with. How would you locate yes. one of those, John? Google. You're just going to have to dig now, around I have, in Google. I have, I have Googled some. Most of the companies that I've run across, um, again, they are basically timeshare buyers who buy for, they're saying, corporate, corporate buyers um, who are willing to take on the debt. But one, they're saying that they're only interested if the debt is free and clear, meaning I own the timeshare without a mortgage on it. I am still currently paying on it. And then, the second part to that is, is that I, they have other timeshare buyers who will basically market and advertise for me and work with me as long as, you know, they need to to go ahead and get it sold eventually is what they're saying. But until then, I am having to keep up with the mortgage on it and the, um, and the maintenance fees. And then also they're wanting to charge a, a fee up front. Of, I've seen somewhere up towards to $8,000 just to get out of it. My do not, do not about pay upfront fees. You're don't, to pay the wrong up front, people. Don't, don't pay up front fees. Don't list it with someone else to sell it for you. Find one that's willing to take it off your hands. In other words, cut your losses, move on. Just sign it over. Yeah, to and that's, and that's what I want to do. So what, uh, what keywords do you, do you recommend yeah, that I should be Googling this, for this? If I can interrupt for just a moment, please. This is what I want you to know. I didn't have enough money to pay for the cataract surgery on my eyes. $5,000 an eye. It took me less than six calls to find out how to get it for free. Okay. You can do the same thing. 
Yeah, it. I mean, you just got to keep going out there and, and looking and searching. I mean, you know, you haven't had any luck yet. Um, the only way you're guaranteed uh, not to succeed is to quit. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just again just wanted to know if anybody had a heads up on that have, had already done it. But okay, just keep googling timeshare buyers. And then um, my last well, thing it's was like to go how how to get rid of your unwanted timeshare. Yeah, you can right. ask Google questions like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, phrase it that way, like John just said. Yeah, unwanted timeshare. Okay. How to get rid of your unwanted timeshare. Gotcha. Be creative with your search parameters there. Gotcha. That's definitely what I'll do. Well, I have a lot to uh, I have a lot to research, and I really, really, really appreciate you guys. You know, taking the time and talking to me. I am going to listen in on the rest of the call and go back and go through some of the other calls that my mom. Um, highlighted for me to go through and listen to. But um, I'm going to listen, listen um, go for Jesse's website, going to look at some information there and definitely start reading up on, you know, what some of my options are through the TCPA and also uh, trying to, you know, narrow down which of these debts would be, again, worth letting go and which ones to try to hang on to to try to save myself. Uh, did, you say, did you say you're on uh, medical leave from your work right now until the end of the pregnancy? Uh, Yes. I went through that, too, almost the whole yeah. pregnancy. It's, yeah, and that's know, where I've been almost my whole pregnancy since since almost three months. So. Yeah, yeah, I've been there, and <laughs> it, that wasn't fun. But it does free up your time, and what better, better way <laughs> could you spend it than studying and learning? And that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do. My mom, like I said, it just got to this point um, – pretty much within the last, probably last couple of months, because they basically told me, well, I was misinformed. I was told that on leave I would receive 100% of my pay uh, for a certain period of time, and then I would go to long-term disability where I would still receive 100% of my pay. That was a lie, and basically I went from 100% of my pay with commission to 60% of my pay, no commission. So I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You know, I never... I yeah, have never seen a disability clause in a contract or, and I was in insurance too at the time. That's funny. But uh, mm-hmm. I've I've never seen one that would pay 100%. Yeah. Well, and, and, and they, they did. They did, uh, they did 100% for the first, I think it was like 20-something, 20 20-something 20 weeks. And then after that, it, it changed. And like I said, I, this is something I had called and researched before I even went out on leave, before my doctor took me out on leave, and they were like, oh, yeah, no, this is this, and then all of a sudden, come the week of March, they're like, well, you it's know. that unexpected, uh, uh, you know, discovery that is the worst. I mean, if you knew that's yeah. what it was going to be in the beginning, you could plan on it, but when you get the rug pulled out from underneath you, that, that creates a different scenario. You know, actually, exactly. you were way luckier than me. They got, a, they got out of paying altogether, by claiming that pregnancy is not an illness, okay? Well, and that's, now, that's and the thing, it, and, and it, I didn't use my pregnancy as my illness. I, um, I well, actually I have didn't either. arthritis. I, oh. I, didn't, I didn't either. It, it was a massive tumor in oh, the uterus goodness. with the child, you know? So the wow. pregnancy 
the pregnancy was a, a side effect because that causes those tumors to grow exponentially fast. And But they got out of it by claiming that, well, you wouldn't have the problem if you weren't pregnant and that's not an illness. Wow, wow. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> knew that I was going to deal with the headache going in, so I went straight to my rheumatologist with when I started having complications as opposed to going to my OB and that it kind of started from there. So, yeah, I didn't even use the pregnancy as a part of the leave or anything like that. It was like, I have rheumatoid arthritis. I'm having an issue. This is what it is. So. Yeah, it could have been okay. a whole lot worse. So you're, But you're dealing with it. You're being proact- proactive and getting a handle on it before disaster happens. So, yeah. you know, with your economics. And um, good job. And tell your well, mom you so we thank her for for uh, leading you in the right direction. Well, thank you. I definitely will let her know. Again, I'm going to listen in, and I appreciate everyone's help and feedback today. All righty. Well, thank you. Okay. All righty. We're going to go on to our next caller. And, again, we're going to be speaking with somebody in Southern California. That's a popular place tonight. Hello, Southern California. How's it going tonight? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I'm wondering what you guys would do in this situation. Um, I've got a debt collector that started bugging me recently. Um, They started calling my cell phone. And what I realized is that, well, I checked my credit reports, and I had already disputed this company on my credit report with the credit reporting agencies in May 2015. Okay. And, and what so came of that dispute? What what happened when when uh, the dispute was done? Um, it was updated. It was verified. It stayed on the report. Okay. And I don't believe I have any um, any calls around that time, but I started getting them a couple months ago. So, like, around the end of the year, 2015. <clears throat> Okay, now, quick question. When they said that uh, uh, it was verified, did they mark your credit report that uh, it's disputed? I'd have to go back and look at it. That's something to go and find out because they're required to do so. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Um, I, I do know that they should have contacted me within five days of the first contact, am I correct? Which would be... They they should have sent you a verification letter within five days of first contact, yes. That's uh, FDCPA. Okay, good. So there's a violation there. Um, but okay. I, what would you do at this point now that, you, now that I'm getting phone calls? Um, well, okay, you're getting calls on your cell phone. Did you give that cell phone number to the original creditor, or you obviously didn't give it to the uh, debt collector? No, I don't even. It doesn't even say what this uh, what this account what this charge is. Um, well, it has the amount in my credit report, but it doesn't say what where it came from. It doesn't from. say who the original, original creditor, creditor is. No. Who who is putting the information in your credit report? Uh, it's a company called Real Time Solutions. 
and I believe they're out of Texas. I think they're in okay, Dallas. it's it's a collector who is putting a trade line in your credit report, correct? Right. And they are not identifying the original creditor, correct? Correct. That is a violation exactly. of the F, of the FCRA. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <clears throat> Well, that's why we're here, is to help you learn about these things. And that's why you're asking the questions, right? That's right. All right. Uh, Real-time solutions. Yeah, they've actually called from different – they called from Vegas once before, too. They called about four times total so far. I, I still don't know how they got his number, his cell phone number. Is that real-time know. resolutions? I, let, I haven't gotten there yet, Jeff. Is it real-time resolutions? Uh, real-time? No, I think it's real-time solutions. Well, where are they out of? Do you know? You said uh, they're in Texas, and I'm I'm yeah. Google this, and I'm finding a lot of real-time resolutions in Texas, and they're a debt collector. Mm. Names are important. Accuracy. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's solutions, but um, yeah. it sounds so close. What is it, uh, Dave? What is the ad? Do you have the address of the one that's reporting, Andy? Uh, let me see. Yeah, it's on my computer. I, have to, I would have to pull it up. But okay. I don't have my well, computer that, on. we don't need that right now. It's just that you can understand the direction we're going there. But it would appear <clears throat> that you have FCRE violations already. Now, the TCPA, if you didn't give your cell phone number, then there's no question to anybody, uh, then there'd be no question as to whether you've got TCPA violations provided they're using an auto dialer. Now, what happens when they call you? Uh, when they call, actually, I don't answer. I haven't answered it yet. Okay. Well, you're not going to be able to do anything on TCPA if you don't answer. And the reason you won't is because you can't plausibly say that they called you with an auto dialer because you have absolutely no idea. So what you need to do is answer the phone. And you have to be prepared when they call to answer the phone and be paying very close attention to what happens. When somebody calls me, the phone rings. Ring. I answer, hello? Well, hi, is this Mr. Mac? That's what usually happens or so something mm-hmm. like that. In other words, when I answer, somebody talks to me right away. Right. If I answer and I go, hello? 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 Uh, is this Mr. Mac? Now, there was maybe a three- or four-second delay there after I said hello, right? Right. I Maybe I heard a, a click sound or something. Maybe I didn't. Point mm-hmm. being, there wasn't anybody there when I answered. Okay, okay. right. So that's that, an indication that it could that be. Is, that's your, your indication of their use of an auto dialer, that there was no live person on the line when you answered, and they eventually came on a few seconds later. That's your plausible uh, allegation that will keep you out of a motion to dismiss and get you going forward to doing discovery where you can prove 
that they're using an auto dialer. So my okay. point is, if you don't answer, you don't know, you can't say that they're doing it, because uh, they'd argue, well, you know, you, you, you don't have any way of knowing whether they were using an auto dialer, and the court's going to say, well, yeah, you never answered the phone. You can't just say they were using it. You have to have a reason to believe to make it a plausible allegation. And that falls under the Twombly-Iqbal standard that is in place now for, for pleading in your complaints. So you're going to want to answer phone number, the uh, phone calls. And what I did when I got a rash of calls is I would answer the phone. Hello? Hello? There's nobody there. I hang up. Okay. I'm not going to okay. sit there and wait and wait and wait. I hang up. Okay. Then they they call back another time. Hello? Hello? Well, Terry, you got a train? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to do that, but then I'm going to start saying, I'm going to answer the phone, and I'm immediately going to say, quit calling this phone. Quit calling this mm -hmm. number. Uh -huh. Quit calling this phone. I'm going to alternate back and forth. I'm not going to say the same thing. I say, quit calling this number. Quit calling this phone. And what have okay. you done? You've told them you can say, well, you know, I received a number of calls on this date, this date, this date, and this date. There was no live person on the line. And then on, on the next 23 calls, I each time I said either quit calling this number or quit calling this phone. So when they argue, oh, well, you know, he doesn't have any basis, well, yeah, I got a number of calls from the same phone number. There was nobody there, and then I started telling people, I didn't had no idea who this was. I started telling them, quit calling this number, quit calling this phone, you're being a pain in the neck, leave me alone. But make handwritten records, notes, of what okay. all the details, the date, yeah. the time, the number called, and what you did, and what you said. Okay. Now, I've started doing that, but the thing is, uh, are you really quick to answer phone calls that are just random like that, just you know, 800 numbers? Or well, what, like I'm at, what I'm trying to get to tell you is, if you don't, you're not going to be able to sue them and get any money out of them. Well, what this company did particularly was they've called uh, four times so far, and the first two times I think were the same number, but the last two are two completely different numbers from different locations. Well, so it's, yeah, they'll, they'll it's do like, that. I'm but not sure. Like, I don't know it's them, so I can answer and say, okay, here's, you know, I'm going to well, go through Well, you, you, have to, you, get, you have to get yourself mentally prepared. Okay, what am I going to do if there's a live person that answers right away? Okay. Uh -huh. What am I going to do if I answer and I say, hello? Hello? Am I going to hang, you know, uh, how long am I going to go? Am I going to say hello twice? There's nobody there. I hang up. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you Googled the numbers to identify who they might, who it you, might be that's calling? Yeah, I have. And, and that's okay. how I found out they were from the, the same company, but from different locations. And oh, okay. I'm, well, that's not unusual. That's not unusual. Okay. okay. So it's, it's, that's very commonplace. So you know that they're calling you from multiple numbers. That's why it's very important for you to start answering those calls. But get okay. yourself geared mentally. 
you got to think about this and, and you know, kind of practice a, a little bit verbally with yourself. Okay, the phone's ringing again. Okay. Uh, hello? Well, hi, is Mr. Jones there? Well, this is Mr. Jones or whatever. No, there is no Mr. Jones here. Or, you know, you have to be prepared if there's somebody there right away because if there's somebody there immediately, they can claim that they're not using an auto dialer, and then you're going to have to prove that they are, okay? If there is nobody there and you say, hello, hello, and there's nobody there, then hang up. I'm not going to sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait for somebody to pick up because mm-hmm. in all actuality, I don't want to talk to somebody because then that's a great indication that they're calling me with an auto dialer, right? Right. Okay. Okay. Now, what I, I've had before also where I would answer and there would be a pause and then there, and then a recording would come on. Well, if they if they're doing a recorded message, that's automatically a violation. Okay. I mean, it it just is. They can't call you using an auto dialer. Right. Okay. Okay. So all right. So I can. So I just need to keep that in my mind and you know, answer the phones more often when when they when they ring like that. Because I'm well, not really used to just answering random phone numbers. I just I stopped doing well, it a long time ago. Well, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying there, but you gotta stop and think you know, what are the ramifications of the two sides? What happens if I answer them? What happens if I don't answer them? If I don't answer them, I have no chance at a TCPA claim. If I do answer them, depending on what happens, I may have opportunities to go after these guys and have them pay me thousands of dollars. So if I was in that situation, I can tell you I would definitely answer the phone. But have yourself mentally prepared. Practice a little bit, and then when that phone rings, you're, it's not like, oh, geez, now what was I going to do? You know, No, practice it. Get it in your mind what you're going to do and and have an idea how you're going to respond. Now, if you get a live person right away on there, you're going to have to wing it and just say, well, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know who you are. Um, you know, send me something in the mail. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I don't, my line that I used, the line that I used was very simply, I don't discuss financial matters on the phone. Send me something in writing. I will look at it and respond accordingly. Quote, unquote. That's exactly what I used to tell people. Okay. But, you know, you you can't set them up for a TCPA. You can't even begin to make a TCPA claim if you never answer a call. You're dead. You're dead on arrival on a TCPA claim if you never answer the call. Okay. Okay. All right. So um, in the past, I've heard you guys say that, you know, if you see a debt collector show up or put a trade line on your report, you can either call them up and ask if, if you owe them any money. No, you don't or, call them. You never, you never call them for that. You send them a letter, certified. Oh, Do I owe you okay. any money? But the... <laughs> You know, the the big thing is dispute your credit report. And then if you're getting the phone calls, find out. You know, if you know who it is or they're calling you, the way you determine whether they're calling with an ATDS is, is there somebody there immediately when they answer? And they can still be using an ATDS if they're mm-hmm. there right, right. away. 
Okay, so so would you just would you wait for the next phone call to come through, or would you proceed with sending a letter based on the fact that you found the trade line in your credit report? Um, dispute with a credit reporting agency. You already did that last year, right? Right. Okay, and, and it came back verified, but you said you, without looking at it, you don't know whether they marked it as disputed. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look at it again. Yeah. Okay, well, that's what I'm saying. You need to go and look at it. Uh, I think if I were in your shoes, uh, when was the last time you got your credit report? Uh, I believe it was October or November last year. Okay, and that's when you went through this dispute stuff, so it was fairly recent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, start lining up your potential uh, violations. You know, study, get into the website, study. If you got questions, come on the calls and ask them. Figure out where they violated the FCRA. Figure out where they violated the FDCPA. Set them up for TCPA. And then just gather your evidence, keeping in mind that the FCRA statute of limitations is two years from your date of discovery. And, of course, if you got your credit report October of last year, you have two years from then to litigate, which, you know, you're not going to wait another year and a half more than likely. But uh, FDCPA has got a one-year statute of limitations. And, of course, them placing that uh, trade line in your credit report is a collection action. Okay. All right. And you've already established that you've had uh, uh, contact with them in some form, I assume? Um, I haven't sent any desvalidation letters to them. No, 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 no. You've had contact, their first contact with you. Yeah, yes, in the credit report. Okay. Well, they didn't send you a notice within five days. Correct. Got a problem, don't they, uh, Terry? I was muted. Yes, they do. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Okay. That's all right. That, that gets you on the track. You know, start, start. You know, do your study and learn the statutes so that you know them like the back of your hand, so that when it comes time to litigate and deal with them, that you're not stumbling around and letting them BS you. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. All righty. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave. You Thank bet. You. You're welcome. All right. Bye bye now. I think we're going to go all the way to the other end of the country, about as far from Southern California as you can get. We're going to go way up to the northeast to New Hampshire. Good evening. Good evening. In, How we are have you? Good weather up here. I am well, and you are having a lot of rain down there. Oh, uh, mm. man, they are swimming, and then some in Houston. There was one area yeah. down there that had 20.7 inches of rain in 24 wow. hours. Yeah. We had, uh, where I am here in North Dallas, we had about three and three quarters. That's not too bad. Yeah. Which, which yeah. you know, it's good. I mean, it's good rainfall. We need it. We're supposed to have mm-hmm. some more, but we're not going to get as much as they are originally anticipating. We uh, we still got some more coming, yeah. but with a time lag. Mm. But Houston is, oh, I oh, yeah. Don't know. Houston, yeah, one of my Facebook friends has a daughter li- that lives there, so I, I saw her postings earlier when I was on Facebook. and They they actually had people that they had taken the stuff out of refrigerators, and, and they had young kids in refrigerators using them as boats to rescue. Oh, my gosh. 
Oh my yeah. gosh, that's awful. Yeah, they had uh, they had young kids in an empty refrigerator using it as a boat to ferry them out. Oh boy, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. And the TV reporter that was doing a live shot, this older gentleman drove his car right into the deep water and got out, and he was asking for help. The, the TV reporter ended up going way out in the water with his microphone. He's live talking on TV and grabbed this guy, this old gentleman, kind of by the scruff of the neck and helped him get out of the water and rescued him right there. Yeah. Live on the air, carrying Once the microphone. Once that momentum starts with the water, forget it. They can just keep oh, on, including the wow. car. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they while they watched, they they showed the video of the the last vestiges of the car going underwater completely. Mm. Yeah. So. Well, um, we're having good weather up here, so good. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because we have had cloudy weather for so long. It's been nice and sunny for a few days. Yeah, you've been doing the Oregon routine with clouds, huh? Yeah. I mean, they live under the clouds. I couldn't live in the We get a lot like of spraying that. up here. We get a lot of that chemtrail stuff up this way from New York. We get all theirs. It comes over. So. Yeah. Listen, I wanted to ask, um, mention the girl that was on the call two people ago and her timeshare thing, and I had forgotten kind of all about the fact that I was involved in one of those things too, <laughs> but it was late. Uh, I think it was 98 when I got mine, and then I had a, I kept it for three or four years, but I be, it became a real nuisance to try to pay that. My son was getting older. He wanted to get into sports. My expenses at home were going up. It seemed like I just, it was like like the Achilles tendon to try to pay that bill. Uh-huh. And then they, you know, bang you out the um, uh, maintenance fees once a year, which you really don't expect until you get the bill. And so I was trying to work with the the people. I don't know who financed hers, but the people that financed mine was the actual timeshare itself. So I was trying to, you know, work with them and see what I could do about turning it in. And and they go, oh no, we can't do that. You know, so I of course I uh, was rather passive about it. I just kept paying on it and paying on it. And finally, I got annoyed because uh, there were a couple of months where I I got behind and I said, I'm going to have to let that go this month and I'll just double up next month. I was starting to do that. And then eventually I, I got cross about it one day and I just said, you know what? I'm not paying this anymore. I'm just not paying it. It's just bearing. You had, you had, had your fill. I, I did. And I wasn't able to get down there like I wanted to. My life was so busy with a lot of overtime at work. And so finally, I just basically, quote unquote, defaulted on it. And they so now they're offering me to buy it back. You know, they'll, they'll definitely take it back. So that's, I don't know, she'll have to, find, you know, maybe uh, Google that particular timeshare company and see if there's other people that have posted things online about that company and what they did when they got overwhelmed with the payments because what ended up happening was they did take it back and I had to, you know, sign a bunch of paperwork over to them and then they did 1099 me in the end. Oh, yeah, the old 1099 routine. Yeah, that following year I wasn't expecting it either because I was real rookie and I didn't know what it was. And I looked, I opened it and it was like an $8,000 1099. I was like, what? I have to add that to my income? Are you kidding me? Then I, you know, did some phone calling and then I found out that it had it stemmed from the fact I signed off on that you know I, I did like what John was saying you just uh, cut your losses and move on but I was kind of yeah. glad to get rid of that payment I'm like whatever <clears throat> I'm not able to use this the way I thought I was going to and I it was a dumb idea to get started with it in the beginning and just anything I'll just have to you know be positive about it from here on you know now I don't have that bill and I don't even have to think about it anymore so that's what I did I got through it 
Yeah. Um, and that's what I did. So you I know, I through the years, uh, I think I've only talked to about three, maybe four people who had timeshares and were happy yeah. that they had those and utilized them. All the rest I've of the people to that I've that talked theirs. to through the years have all had horror stories about being involved with timeshares. It's got to be at least six or seven to one negative. Yeah, it's true. And my father, <laughs> so I, you know, I never reason, even considered anything like that myself. But I think my 10-year-old, he was about 10 years old at the time, told my father that we bought one. So that's all I needed was to hear from my oh. old school, tough New Englander, doesn't spend money unless it's necessary, uh, uh, to just yeah. ride me about that like. The timeshare that you bought. The timeshare. Yeah. I was so glad to get rid of it finally. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, for, him for many reasons. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, please don't don't rub it in any more than yeah. necessary, Dad. I'm rid of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, you've already uh, used uh, 50 pounds of salt rubbing yeah. it in. Yeah. Don't come so to I me I don't for need any, any more. Yeah. Don't yeah. come to me asking me for any money because you're paying on that damn timeshare. It's your fault. <laughs> Yeah. Not the, I didn't borrow money from my dad. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, he, oh, I mean, yeah. he was no, just it, like. It, but, you know, time, uh, or hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, uh, I've, I've done, I've invested in some things in my life that turned out to be total waste <laughs> stuff, too. Yeah. Um, several of them were marriages, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Listen, I'm getting phone calls from E-R, is it E-R-C? E-R-C? Oh, yeah. are you really? Yeah. Oh, they're, I got one they're the other really day. good at being persistent. Aren't you um, lucky? It was a cutoff. You know, like, obviously their recording started when my greeting was going. So by the time my recording, like, kicked in to record their message, uh-huh. I, only got, I only got half of the message. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. So I have not called. And what they did do is they leave the number, and then they ask you to call back with your reference uh-huh, number. Sure. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm not going to take yeah. that bait. No, no. So, But I'm trying to figure out how I approach this. Do I Should I write them a letter and say, you left messages on my – and they also, I, when I went into my phone log, they called me like a month ago, and I missed it. I didn't even realize they called me. Uh-huh. Uh, I must have been out of the house or something that day visiting my mother or whatever. <laughs> And so I have two phone calls, and they're a month apart, and they never sent me a Dunning, so they've already violated FDCPA there. But I didn't call them back yet with that reference number to find out what it is they wanted, and they called my house phone. Why would you do that? Well, no, I, I mean, I, I would probably from another phone no, why if I were going to that? at all. Well, they called my house phone, Dave, so I didn't know if maybe that was different because they didn't have call Have you got phone. the magic message? I do. I've put it on a disc already. Yeah. No, 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 no. <clears throat> Do you have the magic message? Your greeting. My greeting. Yes, your your magic message in your greeting. Hi, I'm not here to take your call right now, oh, but if yes. this is an emergency, you can reach me on my cell phone at. Yes. Da, 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 I da, do da. have that. Yes. Oh, okay. That. All right. But they haven't called my cell phone. Yeah. Well, they're you not know, taking they the bait. House. They've gotten sued a lot. I know. I know yeah. two people. I know. Myself personally, right at this moment, uh, two people that are in litigation with them on TCPA. Cool. Um, it's I actually served one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> served them on one of was the suits. Was that one that you were saying was on either 2020 or? No. Um, no. no okay. That was uh, diversified consultants. Oh, diversified. Okay. Right. ERC is 
is uh, Sopit versus Enhanced Recovery Company is oh, yeah. a, a well-known case. Uh, they've right. been I have read sued. that case before. Yes, that yep. same one, Enhanced Recovery Company, Jacksonville, Florida. They're, Are uh, they a debt buyer? No. A contingency? No. Yeah, they're contingency. They're stupid. They're just blatantly stupid, but they've got to make so much money. There was a, uh, uh, interestingly enough, to give people a little bit of an idea, uh, they just clamped down on a, uh, the FTC just clamped down on a, a, a debt buyer or a, a debt collector here in Dallas that was really egregious, nasty mm. guy. This guy was, uh, you know, had collectors telling me, you know, they were lawyers and uh, they were police officers and all this you kind of stupid nonsense and everything. Uh, whoever that is that was just talking, would you mute, please? I said officers uh, of the court. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they mentioned in that thing that this guy was uh, paying himself $200,000 a month. Oh, my gosh. With a bogus operation. Wow. So, I mean, that gives you an idea. These companies like Enhanced Recovery uh, and, and stuff like that, if they can, you know, deal with all these lawsuits of getting sued all the time and everything, how much money are they taking in? Yeah, Just right. stop and think about that. If they can pay all these legal bills. Mm-hmm. And settlements and stuff that they have, you know. Yeah. And well, I we, do know their checks collect the bank or uh, clear. clear the bank personally. <laughs> That's accidental. I was looking at some uh, credit report that I pulled two years ago. For, I was looking for another fact, you know. And I looked. I said, "Oh, look! There's enhanced recovery on that. That um, I must have missed it on that credit report from July 2014. So I have two credit pulls from them." No well, you've money. got two years. You got till yeah. July of this year to right. capture that. Right, and then I've got the you know the fact they didn't send me any Dunning when they called me as of a month ago. But I was just wondering how to handle that TCPA thing where it's my house. <clears throat> uh. Do you do you have anything that you think is legitimate, or do you think this is just bogus? Um, it may be my old Sprint sixty-eight dollars that's floating around from a long time ago. It might is be that, that. Is that was that ever satisfied? See, with a landline, there's an exception. I know they can do a location. Yeah. Right call. And I realized that. That's why I was going to ask. And they're they're not, the evidently not biting on the call yourself. Right. Because well, it's the, they left a recorded message on my landline. Yeah. Thing. So they they're letting the recordings fish out the people to call them back first. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they do. Yeah. Well, you've only got two calls, so you're not dealing with some kind of an egregious situation. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But, you know, they. I was talking to one of my other friends, and she said, oh, they used to call me a lot. And I said, really? I said, mm-hmm. they've only if these people them. only knew. I know. Just, you know, they need to study and learn oh, about this stuff. I'm always talking to my friends about this stuff, but they're it's like they're too lazy to join the call. Well, there's a lot of lazy they people out there. Do it. Like, if I, if they would stop and think about how much money is involved, yeah, how much money they can come away with. Yeah, I mean, I try to tell people look, just pull your credit report and take a look at it. They don't even want to look at their credit report. They're afraid to look at it. I'm like, it's your credit report. Look at it. 
Yeah, you should know what's in your they, credit they report. They don't want to. Some people are like, no. oh, I don't know. I haven't been really that good lately. It's probably not a very good score right now. And I'm like, well, actually, you're better off than me. Well, yeah, well, how, how about you go find the violations in it and then uh, get some money out of these yeah. idiots and uh, that you can use that to help pay your bills that you've had a harder time paying. I mean, that reminds duh. me of that girl that was talking earlier with the pregnancy situation for her job. She ought to just pull her credit report and see if there's some stuff on there that she can yeah. collect on to help her pay her bills. You know, I mean, that's it's. Yep. There's lots of opportunities out here for money. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you, you Jesse has been making money for years. I've been making money for years. John's been making money. Terry is embroiled in her deal, and she's going to come away with a bunch eventually. Yeah, right. And then, you know, how much am I going to come away from this deal with Midland? Right. I, I don't see any any reason why that should be under six figures. Oh, no, that'll be so nice for you. Oh, that's... Well, I'll be envious. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah. I, 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 I know, but you've, you've it's kind a of worked war. for it. I know. All it is a war. But, you know... Uh, I'm going to make them accountable. I mean, that's that's just e- even if I got you know 300 bucks out of it, I'm going to make them accountable. Mm. You know, right. they violated my rights, and I'm making them accountable. That's all it boils down to. They're just using <laughs> sure. the delay, delay, delay for as long as they can. But you know, in the end, they're still going to have to pay. It's so silly to delay it like that. Well, I. Uh, I would have cracked the coconut open on them if they had not done what they did with me, and they know that. That's why they. That's why they've spent the inordinate amount of money dealing with me that they have, and they're going to spend a bunch more. But in the bigger picture of what it could have cost them in this in this MDL litigation, what I would have exposed in that. They're saving millions and millions. They're saving hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. By having me locked up in the MDL, that's why it's happened. Yeah, right. That's why they're fighting me so hard, too. Now, Terry and I have got them in, in situations where we uh, <laughs> Terry Terry is actually in a, in a better position to uh, cost them far more than than I will cost them. <laughs> Are you talking about once she establishes case her, law? Her, yeah, her, yeah, yeah her case. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. we'll be able to reference her case. She, she will, <laughs> she will uh, be in a position to cost them far more than than I will. Yeah, you guys I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to end up costing them multiple six figures. Yeah, because I'm not inter- I'm not really interested in in costing them in a way that lines my pocket. It's costing them in a way that it's, it's going to com- uh, cost them very much money. Yeah, right. And over a, back them down a long, extended down. period of time. Them and, and uh, the other people in their industry. Yeah. It goes far beyond Midland with Terry's deal. Mine is strictly with Midland. Hers goes far beyond Midland. Mm. They're just the uh, the focus. Catalyst. <laughs> they're the catalyst. They're the focus of it, but uh, they're it, it envelops far more than that. 
Now, I'm not going to turn down a decent settlement when this nightmare is over. Don't get me wrong. But I didn't do it for that reason, nor is that uh, what has motivated me. Hmm. Well, that's like me. I mean, look at the immense amount of work I've been through. Uh, and and I'm not done with Midland yet, but it, it's it's the principle. Exactly. It's the principle. You violated my rights, and you're trying to weasel out of it. And I'm not going to let you. And you know, in the beginning, I would have settled for five hundred dollars per phone call, which is what the statute says I should get. I will not settle for that now. Not after all the work that they put me through. Yeah. So we'll find out in the end. The court will make the end decision. And that that, uh, will either settle out of court or the court will make the decision, and that court will be the court here in Texas, which has already shown that they don't particularly care for what Midland has done. They tried to send them a message, but they didn't get it. So. Well, Dave, um, you know, back to my little ERC thing. Like I said, I have the two um, polls from two years ago. I understand that FCRA thing. And then I have the, the FDCPA violation because I didn't get a dumbing, and they've contacted me twice one month apart. But with the TCPA, should I write them a, a letter and just say, you're calling my house and leaving messages on my phone? And if there's any... I wouldn't call them about any TCPA stuff. No. I'm not going to call them, but I was thinking of writing them a letter and just saying... No, if I wouldn't write them a letter about it either. But I, I just feel like I can't pull TCPA into a lawsuit with them, can I? I mean, if if I've just got two... Your, your chances of you being able to do anything with TCPA, uh, with, with it being your landline and stuff, are very slim, I'd say. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, I could try but, it, and then maybe the court says no. Well, eh, you got to be careful, because that could be a... You don't want it to be bad faith, frivolous, and the court's sticky with the cost because it, the filing fee is bad enough if you know you don't have a strong case to start with. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I wouldn't FCA venture out on that plank myself. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, what I was just thinking of, though, is if I wrote them a letter and saying, you're leaving messages on my house phone, and if you have anything to say to me, write me a letter. You know, do it in writing. Like leave it at that, or no. if they want to write you a letter, they'll they'll send you a letter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, contact anybody about them calling me. Mm. I would never do that. Okay. All right. I mean, that's just my personal situation, but I mm. I would never do that. I mean, there's know. no legal obligation to call them if, back, right? Yeah. When they leave oh, absolutely, absolutely not. Uh, right. a, you don't. You're not required to do anything. Oh, if somebody yeah, calls so. you, you have an obligation to call them back. I yeah. don't. Think I, yeah, so. true. But I never had a a DC leave a message with a reference number like that before, so I didn't. Know. Oh, I've. I've gotten a ton of those. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Please call. I'm I'm getting calls right now. Hmm. On my landline from Dynamic Recovery. Oh, boy. And I'm ready to answer the next one that comes in. They've left five messages for me over the last 90 days. Hmm. And I'm ready to answer the phone and see what kind of nonsensical stuff they have to say and see whether they've got some really stupid collectors that want to stick their neck in the noose. 
So, see, like I was uh, telling this gentleman earlier about... Number and call, uh, answer it? Yeah, maybe I'll answer it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to call them back. I'm I'm just going to wait because they, they call every so often. Like I said, they've called five times in about the last, uh, a little less than 90 days, about two and a half months. And uh, they called again the other day. And uh, I went into my messages because... Uh, Normally, I don't even listen to my phone messages. I pretty much know who who calls me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, and I know whether I'm gonna, you know, if it's somebody I need to talk to, I call them back or whatever. But uh, I I know the number that they're calling from because they're using a, a local number to call from. Yeah, they're calling. Uh, I've they, had a couple uh, of those. Recently. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They'll do that. So and they spoof like a local number. Mm. Yeah, but uh, the main thing is, like I was telling the gentleman earlier. You need to have yourself mentally prepared on what you're going to say. Well, now I'm, I've got that number in my mind, and it's 972-211, and then whatever the last four digits are. When I see that number pop up on my caller ID, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to know exactly who's calling me. It's dynamic recovery. Uh, this is a call from a debt collector. This is an attempt to collect a debt. You know, you need to call me reference number 217-4334. Oh, yeah, I've gotten plenty of those calls. So I'm going to have a little fun with them, see what it is. But, you know, it's it's my landline. I'll just, uh, uh, with uh, gusto, let them know that it's probably not a good idea to call me anymore. <laughs> yeah, look me It'll up be, on Pacer. Yeah. <laughs> let me know if you really want to talk to me. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they're calling about because there's somebody else by the same name that lives locally here uh, that has had some financial problems from time to time. And uh, I don't know whether they're trying to, you know, find Get this individual or whether they're, <laughs> they're somebody's being really stupid with some really old, uh, way out of statute uh, debt that I had from years and years ago. I mean... Uh, I defaulted on, on all my stuff in January of 08. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm over eight years, and we have a four-year statute in Texas. So, uh, I, I used to get phone calls from my ex-husband's second wife. He's been married three times, and that was before the group. And I wish I was getting those calls now because I used to get quite a few calls for her. Oh. <laughs> you know, because we're the same last name, and uh-huh. um, they connected his name. Probably oh yeah, pages, yeah. But, they you know, uh, they do the searches. Things. You know, this yeah. person knows this person. All these yeah. connections, sure. Right. So oh yeah, inter- Intellius. Yeah. Wish oh, I knew but it's, then it's what fun. I know now. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to let you go so the next person can talk. Okay. Thank Thanks you. A lot. Well, we don't have anybody else with a hand up here tonight. Now, I have to tell everybody that if you do have a question or a comment uh, that you'd like to make, uh, hit star 8, and that will put your hand up in the queue. You know, things are quieter here with uh, spring coming on, and uh, uh, we don't have quite as many people on. This happens every year, so it's, it's not anything unusual, but we're here to help people if we can. And we do have somebody that comes from South Central New York. You're unmuted. Go ahead. Hello. Yes, peace. How's everyone doing tonight? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I appreciate the um, information. This is my first time calling in. Um, Well, welcome. um, 
Thank you. I um I thought that it was a show that was geared towards A for V, but it sounds like it's something a little bit different. Oh no. No, don't don't even waste your time doing A for V. That's that's something that can potentially get you in a lot of trouble. Chances are not, but there are some people that have found themselves in a pretty substantial amount of trouble, especially when doing that with the IRS. I know people that have been smacked with as much as $50,000 in frivolous filing penalties over A for Vs. Really? Yes. My very very strong suggestion to you is stay a country mile away from that. That is one of the things that we refer to when we're talking about administrative processes. And we really, really have to to advise everyone to stay away from any of those as much as far as you can. We do have friends in prison. Yeah, we mm. we know people person we personally know people that either have been or currently are in federal prison as a result and mind you I said federal prison not a state prison, a federal prison, as a result of utilizing that stuff. So it's against public policy. It sounds good. It's just, oh, you know, but you... Yeah, it doesn't you go matter and, that it, it may be right. Yeah. Because that that's not matter. how the world really works. <laughs> yeah, we know the world doesn't work right. We know there's a lot of things wrong in this country. But you going down that road is something that will do you far more potential harm than it will ever do you good. Because if you spend $0.47 cents for a stamp to mail it, you just wasted $0.47, cents. and the envelope, and the paper, and your time. And put a great big target on your forehead. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's interesting because I've been, uh, you know, I hear... I hear two sides of it. I actually hear some people say that it's not a good idea, and then I've actually witnessed people who've done the process who have the proof where it says that the bill has been paid. Right, and they'll wait. And what they will do is they will wait and give you time to share that with all your friends and relatives and get them to do the same thing, giving them more victims to go after, then they'll come after you. Yeah, they'll come after you and on you. About 15 to 18 months they'll give you to share your information with others. Well, and one one of the things about that, if you were to go out and take 10,000 different people, 10,000 different individuals that have done an A for B on something, on a bill from, you know, whether it be the cable company or an electric company or this company or that company, you might find two that had success. Don't ask me why those two had success, but do you think... You want to play the odds of two in ten thousand being successful because there was nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine ninety eight excuse me that weren't successful, and all of them wasted their time postage paper, so on and so forth. 
And depending on how long it goes, like Terry just said, how many of those people are potentially in a situation where it might come to bite them a year and a half from now? Like I said, I know, I personally know people that did stuff, and this was when they were saying, oh, well, you know, you send your uh, A for Bs to the IRS, they take care of this. And uh, I know people that had $50,000 worth of frivolous filing penalties levied against them by the IRS over A for Vs. They had a virtual nightmare. So you're saying they let it build, they let it build, let them keep doing it and keep doing it. Oh, yeah. That's the way the government works. And then they go out and they make an example out of a bunch of people. But, and Dave, isn't it just like an IRS audit? An IRS doesn't audit you for last year, does it? No. They audit you, audit you for three or four years ago, right? Right. So what makes you think you're so important that they're going to take action on you right away? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the, the, the bottom line is, yeah, there's going to be people, oh, yeah, yeah, we got proof. But, okay. I I actually know of two people that did A for V's that worked. And they can't explain why they did. I can't explain why they did, but they did. One of them was to an electric company and one of them was to a phone company. Okay? But those two people are the only ones that I know of myself that had A for V's work. But I know a lot of other people that have done hundreds, if not thousands of them, and none of them have had any success whatsoever. That's not a good batting average. So what is the what is the new rep? I guess what is the the new remedy towards um, you know taking care of the obligations or the debt? Pay, pay the bills. Learn how to fight the game in their arena with their rules and their tools and beat them. Well, That's what well, we do. Yeah. Well, look, j- just to give you a very basic overview, I defaulted on 10 credit cards uh, eight years ago this past January. Uh, and it was not intentional. It was, I, I beat, after a very uh, bad divorce and uh, getting screwed by Countrywide, I just had no money to pay my credit cards. Okay, so I had no choice. I defaulted on all of them. I had 10 of them, all total. And it was, I, I think all total was about 52000 And I started learning about things, and it wasn't until uh, Jesse and I got connected and I started working with stuff five years ago this month yep. that um, I... Literally, in fact, it was exactly five years ago because it was uh, the 18th of April. Yeah, 2011. Of, of, of 2011. It was exactly five years ago today. It was the first time Jesse was on my call. And I started learning about the consumer protection statutes and about the use of the federal courts, how to use the federal courts. Because of what I learned, over this period of time, in the last five years, I've collected about $200,000 from the debt collection industry and their lawyers. And eliminated the debt. I got sued over two of those credit cards. 
They never got me served. I sued the lawyer that sued me, and I got two judgments against him. He paid me, and he dismissed the lawsuits. I see. So it's more... So, so who, who, has, who has come out on the winning end of the deal in all ten of those credit card situations, them or me? Right. And, and what, what he did was within their rules, played the game by their rules in their sports arena, he just played better, and he won. Well, I learned the rules. I, I learned how to use the courts properly. You know, people, people badmouth the courts. Oh, the courts are corrupt, this and that, and so on and so forth. Is there corruption in the courts? Absolutely. Yep. There's no doubt about it. I'm not going to say there isn't. But in large part, it's at the state level, not at the federal level. Okay, there is some uh, corruption at the federal level. Uh, Terry knows all too well about that. But the whole point is, I learned how to use the system that's in place right there. When I got my judgments against that lawyer, I got two judgments against him. He he had to pay me to get the judgments released. I got a judgment against Midland. They offered, made an offer of judgment. I accepted it. They had to pay me before the judgment was satisfied. So, it, it, see, what we do using the courts, we have the courts to back us up and enforce what we're doing. We win, and the courts back us up. And no, you know, this and administrative... Yeah, the administrative process. Right. Well, the administrative process has nothing to back you up. There's nothing. The courts aren't going to back you up. You say, "Oh, well, you know this or that." You know, well, I'm going to default you, and if if you don't uh, do this by such and such a time, you owe me ten thousand dollars. You get the, this nonsensical stuff these people do. Well, uh, you know, we we don't go down that road. We don't deal with that because you have no enforcement on anything. This way, when you're operating within the rules, and all the rules are right there in the books or in the statutes, the system will work for you in large part, a very large part, as long as you learn to operate within its rules. It's just a matter of learning it. You get some people that just get a bad attitude about it. Uh, Well, I don't like it. I'm not going to have it. Well, okay. Then how much money did you get? from debt collectors in the last five years. Oh, you didn't get any? Well, I've gotten a couple hundred grand. Who's the winner and who's the loser in this deal? You know, that speaks for itself. So, so uh, I have another question. Sure. Um, so the whole thing, so the information that I've been researching is basically, yeah. it sounds like it's been, it's outdated um, from hearing you say that, because I'm I've been looking at the the HJR 192. Is all that just mm-hmm. that all that no, just that's, that's all real? But it's it it's against public policy. See, what you're not to... understanding is that is all true, that is all real, but the courts cannot, will not ever let you prevail. Because it is against public policy, and too much truth would come out and collapse the entire system. Yeah, the whole entire financial system would collapse 
if the courts enforce that. So they, they can't. They won't. That's what public policy is. What it, what is being done? A, a simplistic way is the way things are being done right now. That's public policy. And if you try and go against public policy, the court is going to look at you like you got three eyes and five ears. They're and not going to pay any attention to you. To you. Yeah. They're just deaf to you. If you persist, they will what are, retaliate. What are we talking about here? The administrative process. Are you talking about the administrative procedures? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, sir, let me make a suggestion to you. Mm-hmm. I suggest that you go and Google Administrative Procedures Act. And what you'll actually end up discovering, if you read it very carefully, is... That's about the government agency being able to write regulations and set vehicles and standards in place for you to interact with government agencies. Now, what the hell does that have to do with Bank of America? Yeah, well, that's that's just it. People misconstrue the reading of things. And, and like we were just saying, you brought up HJR 192. We're familiar with that. Right. Okay. That's been that's repealed. Pu- pu- well, the the whole point of the whole system, the way it operates, is it's public policy not to do what's supposed to be done. And public policy is not policy that they that you were uh, consulted about or that you agree with. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's whatever yeah. they say it is. Yeah, you didn't get to vote on it. <laughs> So the the bottom line is you have to learn to work within the system and all the stuff for A for V's and HDR 192. Be aware of what it was, how it occurred, but it isn't anything you can use today. Yeah. All right. Thank you for your... Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, you know, on the Administrative Procedures Act, I'm very serious. It's right there in, in, on Google, and it tells you. It's the United States federal statute that governs the way in which administrative agencies of the federal government of the United States may propose and establish regulations. It has nothing to do with Bank America, City Bank, yeah. Sears. Yeah. It, the, the monetary system and stuff. Nothing. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of information out there floating around. And believe me, misinformation. I, <laughs> misinformation. Well, the information that's floating around, there's an awful lot of it that it's just sounds really good. And I mean, you know, oh, well, you know, you can just look right here. That's what it says, you know, and they have to do that. No, they don't. That's where the problem comes in. What you read is factual, but whether they have to adhere to it and go by it is a whole different ballgame. And the bottom line is they don't, they can't, or the whole system would collapse. And, you know, Dave and I and Jeff, um, those of us moderators on this call, we have a lot of experience far behind and beyond what it is we discuss on these calls today. So we do know whereof we speak. We've been down those roads. Yeah, yeah. We've we've, uh, been involved in that stuff and... uh, Fortunately, we didn't me. get hurt. Yeah, exactly. luckily. Exactly. 
and that's why we we're, we try and make as big a point as we can of uh, uh, making sure other people don't use it so they don't get in trouble. Okay, I have. So. Uh, I, if it's okay, I have. Uh, I have my wife here. She would also like to ask a question. Sure, go ahead. If that's okay. Sure, that'd okay. be fine. Thank you, thank you. I mean, we came for the past hour or two. Uh, my question is: uh, I was listening to your answer of A for Z, and uh, if the concern was like if. It's a public policy, and but if more people use it, and the truth will come out, and the uh, system will collapse. So my question would be: No, it's only if more people, if they allowed it to succeed in the courts, and you know these administrative processes, and they allowed it, and they allowed enforcement through the courts for people to collect that would expose the truth and collapse the system. That is why they will never allow it. It doesn't matter how many people try it. It will never be allowed. Yeah, Go ahead with your question. Yes. My question would be, if the court exposed that <laughs> the people are using this and the system reached the max of clapping and and then breaking down, so the system we're in now that we're living in in America is really – the system that doesn't support us a lot. So it comes to a point that it's going to be a time that the system needs to crumble, so the new system needs to start. So if it's crumbled, isn't that what we're looking for? Then there will be more freedom, and then the real money will come back in the system, gold and silver? Well, or how are you going to force them to let it crumble? Huh? There's no enforcement. That's the problem. They have all the enforcement. You do not have it. We do not have it. Yeah, the, the, the current financial system is mm-hmm. getting ready to cr- crumble. Okay. As By it itself. Now, exactly what's going to come out of that, we don't know. There's no way for us to know. But it isn't going to be anything to benefit the average person in this country, whatever comes out of it will still, in very large part, benefit the privileged few. Make no mistake about it. I don't like the idea of it, but that's the reality. And if you think that it's going to be otherwise, you're living in a fantasy land because it's not going to happen. Well, yeah, I'm not saying it's going to benefit any sort, but for any any. Oh, the, the, like the, the Egyptian, the Greek, the, the Rome, some sort of all these uh, uh, civilizations come to a point that they rule the world and one time come, they fall apart and something else thrives. And that's well, the point that I we Well, we're, our civilization isn't going to change. So we're, you're, you're talking about something completely different than what we're dealing with. Eventually, it's, that collapse, kind of collapse that you're talking about, it is inevitable. History does, in fact, repeat itself because we don't learn by it, and we haven't. Um, and it will repeat itself over and over again, but not to, not to the extent just yet as we have seen throughout history in our lifetimes, I don't yeah. believe. We're not going to see that in our lifetimes. Will it come eventually? Sure. Absolutely. It always does. But it's not going to happen in our lifetimes. 
Okay, thank you very much. All right. That's well, not to it. say that we aren't going to see some some pretty bad shaking up in our lifetime. There's, there's, there's going to be a lot of bad shaking up coming PDQ, everybody. And if you aren't doing a few things to prepare yourself, you're going to potentially find yourself in a very difficult situation on very, very, very short notice, extremely short notice. All right, we got one more caller. We're right about uh, quitting time here. I think this has got to be my my buddy from Missouri. How you doing? Uh, I'm chipper as the lark. I'll tell you what, life's good. What's hey, happening? Uh, I just, uh, a couple of quick things before we shut the call down. That couple that was just on, I want to congratulate you on actually hooking up with this group. Uh, I came from where you're at and um, spent several years of my life. I shouldn't say spent. I wasted several years of my life chasing that rabbit, and you're never going to get there. So congratulations uh, to you guys for hooking up this group. And I can tell you from experience, the number one place you can go to find out about what's really going on with our system that we live in. So uh, that being said, I've uh, got an update on my uh, court situation. We did have a sale on the mobile home that went through for some reason. They've taken the property, of, and I know nobody understands what's going on except for Dave and Terry right now. My mother passed away in 2012. I've been fighting the courts because they never had a title to the trailer home that she lived in, but yet the loan was based upon that fact that trailer home was a house. So that's a synopsis. Uh, well, they, they sold the trailer without the title last week. The sale went through, and so they're trying to do a UD right now. So we filed for an injunction due to the fact that there's still litigation going on about whether or not all the conditions proceedings were met, which they couldn't have been because the mother was deceased. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're at on that. I know I haven't given you an update in a couple months, but uh, we're doing that. And uh, i got to tell you, Terry, I've, I've listened to your uh, webinars three times on the credit reporting and how to challenge the stuff on your credit report. And every time it just keeps getting better. So I want to tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you on the awesome work you did on that. And uh, I will be sending out my QWRs on the properties that uh, the banks, I found out that they did not have title, or I'm sorry, the notes to my properties through the lawsuit that I filed. Thanks again to credit to the, the cast and crew here at What Lies Their Debt or Dallas Ed discussion, or, or however you want to categorize my favorite people. The study uh, group. The study group. Uh, I learned enough, for anybody who's still listening, I learned enough to go in and file a federal lawsuit. I'm a truck driver. I'm a nobody. i just I just an average person and barely got out of high school. But I filed a federal lawsuit, walked in, and sat down in front of a mediator, and I, I went through and negotiated my way into having the banks produced my original notes, which they could not do. So now I'm in the process of filing uh, 
more losses. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, welcome as far as the the webinars go, and uh, I'm going to be doing a, a really informative one on the 18th of May on how to persuade judges and make the court see things through your eyes. Awesome. Awesome. Anyway, I know it's late and everybody's ready for bed, so I just wanted to chime in and, and tell you guys thank you for all you do and I uh, encourage the couple that was on before me to stay here and listen as much as you can and, and pay attention and anything you've learned about A to A for B and EFTs and any of those other tricks that are out there, forget that and pay attention to what's winning in the courts and not what's losing in the courts. So thank you for everybody and I'll go ahead and mute out and uh, tell you good night. You have a good night. All right. Thank, thank you, buddy. You. Be safe out there on the road. Take care of yourself. He's an over-the-road runs-at-night truck driver, and uh, he joins us uh, usually when he's rolling down the road. So he's a go-getter. And like he said, he was into the all the administrative stuff, figured out for himself that it didn't work and came over here and uh, he's been rocking and rolling and making waves mm -hmm. like there's no tomorrow since. That's true. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up for tonight. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Thank you, John, Jeff, Terry, for uh, uh, joining me as moderators tonight. Uh, tomorrow night there is an open call on blogtalkradio.com forward slash W-L-I-Y-D. That starts at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And then, of course, on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, for all the members of Jesse's website, oh, yeah, you can join the website for a dollar for the first week. And after that's $49 uh, a month. But uh, for the members as is usually the case on Wednesday afternoons at 3 o'clock. This week, I'm going to be doing a webinar, and it's part one of Legal Writing in Plain English. And this is not start, one you want to miss. Yeah, this is going to be starting to touch on some things to try and help you guys get a little bit better at writing your documents for the courts to be able to express yourself, because there's some things that you guys can learn that uh, you don't have to be a whiz-bang, but uh, we're going to be touching on that, and there's going to be a series of several of these webinars on that. So uh, that we, you know, we're trying to help you guys out as much as we can. Sometimes we get into the peripheral stuff like this. It's not always just about the statute itself or the use of the court. There's other things you can do to enhance your uh, opportunities to be effective in your litigation. So that's what we're going to be doing. Then, of course, at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, Wednesday night, is Terry's call. If for some reason or other you don't have her, uh, you aren't on her email list to get the call reminders for her call, send an email right now to queensongbird at gmail.com. All you have to do is say, please put me on the list. You can even say it in the subject line. But do it now. Don't wait because you probably won't get the reminder if you wait. Uh, get that to her now, and then she'll send you the reminder email with the uh, phone number and the PIN, and she usually sends out some other information on a regular basis as well that people should know about. But the bottom line is we don't do it for you. We help you accomplish it yourself. We aren't attorneys, but we litigate, 
and we speak from a certain amount of experience in doing that, but the most important thing is we're not going to feed you a line of BS. We're going to give you the truth, even if it's not necessarily the pleasant answer that you might want to uh, hear. And the tools to do it for yourself. Right. So with that said, thanks again to everybody for joining us. Have a great evening, and uh, you will hear my voice on Blog Talk Radio tomorrow if you tune in and join us. Good night, everybody. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.